Welcome to Quantum Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. Imagine that your neighbor calls to ask a favor. Could you please feed their pet rabbit some carrot slices? Easy enough, you'd think. You can imagine their kitchen, even if you've never been there. Carrots in a fridge, a drawer holding various knives. It's abstract knowledge. You don't know what your neighbor's carrots and knives look like exactly, but you won't take a spoon to a cucumber. Artificial intelligence programs can't compete. But what happens if we pre-train them to understand these concepts? That's next. Quantum Magazine is an editorially independent online publication supported by the Simons Foundation to enhance public understanding of science. What seems to you like an easy task is a huge undertaking for current algorithms. An AI-trained robot can find a specified knife and carrot hiding in a familiar kitchen. But in a different kitchen, it will lack the abstract skills to succeed. Victor Jong is a graduate student in computer science at the University of Washington. When you have these reinforced learning systems, they are very difficult to train and they don't generalize to new environments. The machine fails because there's simply too much to learn and too vast a space to explore. The problem is that these robots, and AI agents in general, don't have a foundation of concepts to build on. They don't know what a knife or a carrot really is, much less how to open a drawer, choose one, and cut slices. This limitation is due in part to the fact that many advanced AI systems get trained with a method called reinforcement learning. It's essentially self-education through trial and error. AI agents trained with reinforcement learning can execute the job they were trained to do very well in the environment they were trained to do it in. But change the job or the environment, and these systems will often fail. To get around this limitation, computer scientists have begun to teach machines important concepts before setting them loose. It's like reading a manual before using new software. You could try to explore without it, but you'll learn far faster with it. Kartik Narasimhan is a computer scientist at Princeton University. Most of machine learning now is concerned with training agents using, you know, like supervised labels, data annotated or something like that, or even like, you know, in reinforcement learning, there's this notion of somebody designing a reward and training a system based on that. But it would be cool if machines can understand language and thereby just like humans learn through a combination of both doing and reading, we'd also want machines to do the same. New work from Victor Jung and others show that priming a learning model in this way can supercharge learning in simulated environments, both online and in the real world with robots. And it doesn't just make algorithms faster. It guides them toward skills they'd otherwise never learn. Researchers want these agents to become generalists, capable of learning anything from chess to shopping to cleaning. And as demonstrations become more practical, scientists think this approach might even change how humans can interact with robots. Brian Ichter is a research scientist in robotics at Google. 
this work has been like a pretty big breakthrough and really exciting to see. It's pretty unimaginable how far it's come in like a year, year and a half of working with it. There just seems like so many possibilities. At first glance, machine learning has already been remarkably successful. Most models typically use reinforcement learning, where algorithms learn by getting rewards. They begin totally ignorant, but trial and error eventually becomes trial and triumph. Reinforcement learning agents can easily master simple games. Consider the video game Snake where players control a snake that grows longer as it eats digital apples. You want your snake to eat the most apples, stay within the boundaries, and avoid running into its increasingly bulky body. Such clear right and wrong outcomes give a well-rewarded machine agent positive feedback, so enough attempts can take it from noob to high score. But suppose the rules change. Perhaps the same agent must play on a larger grid or in three dimensions. While a human player could adapt quickly, the machine can't because of two critical weaknesses. First, the larger space means it takes longer for the snake to stumble upon apples. Learning slows exponentially when rewards are few and far between. Second, the new dimension provides a totally new experience and reinforcement learning struggles to generalize to new challenges. Jong says we don't need to accept these obstacles. Why is it that when we want to play chess, we train a reinforcement learning agent from scratch where it just kind of wanders about until it gets some signal? And then someone has to write down in the first place to actually define what it means to be good at chess and what it means to do well and so forth. Why do we have to do this when we already have so much, so many books on how to play chess and what are some of the good strategies and all that kind of stuff. Partly it's because machines have struggled to understand human language and decipher images in the first place. For a robot to complete vision-based tasks like finding and slicing carrots, for example, it must know what a carrot is. The image of a thing must be grounded in a more fundamental understanding of what the thing is. Until recently, there was no good way of doing that. But a boom in the speed and scale of language and image processing has made the new successes possible. New natural language processing models allow machines to essentially learn the meaning behind words and sentences. This grounds them in things in the world rather than just storing a simple and limited meaning like a digital dictionary. Computer vision has seen a similar digital explosion. Around 2009, ImageNet debuted as a database of annotated images for computer vision research. Today, it hosts over 14 million images of objects and places, and programs like OpenAI's Dolly generate new images upon command that look human-made, despite having no exact comparison to draw from. If you say, like, generate a chair that looks like an avocado, it's able to do a different job, although it's never seen one during training data. That's Anima Anankumar, a computer scientist at the California Institute of Technology and NVIDIA. She says it shows how machines only now have access to enough online data to really learn about the world. And it's a sign that they can learn from concepts as we do and use them for generation. We are at such a great moment now because once we can get 
generation, there is so much more we can do downstream with that. Researchers like Victor Jong decided machines didn't have to embark on their explorations wholly uninformed anymore. Armed with sophisticated language models, the researchers could add a pre-training step where a program learned from online information before its trials and errors. To test the idea, Jung and his colleagues compared the pre-training to traditional reinforcement learning in five different game-like settings where machine agents interpreted language commands to solve problems. Each simulated environment challenged the machine agent uniquely. One asked the agent to manipulate items in a 3D kitchen. Another required reading text to learn a precise sequence of actions to fight monsters. But the most complicated setting was a real game, the 35-year-old NetHack. Loosely speaking, the goal is you have a descended dungeon and then retrieve an amulet and then come back up. The dungeons are fairly sophisticated. They're procedurally generated. It's very stochastic in the sense that the game world is very different every time you play. There are some fixed levels that require very special strategies to go down. So this turns out to be a very hard game for humans. For the simple game-like settings, automated pre-training meant simply grounding the important concepts. This is a carrot, that is a monster. For NetHack, the agent trained by watching humans play, using playthroughs uploaded to the internet by human players. These playthroughs didn't even have to be that good. The agent only needed to build intuition for how humans behave. The agent wasn't meant to become an expert, just a regular player. It would build intuition by watching. What would a human do in a given scenario? The agent would decide what moves were successful, formulating its own carrot and stick. Jong says through pre-training, they can form a good baseline for how to associate language descriptions with things that are happening in the world. The agent would play better from the start and learn more quickly during subsequent reinforcement learning. As a result, the pre-trained agent did outperform the traditionally trained one. Here's Jong again. What we see is that using this method, we get gains across the board in all five of these environments. Some of the gains are quite large in the sense that by doing this, you're able to learn policies that achieve a different class of solutions than previously possible. Simpler settings only showed a slight edge, but in NetHack's complicated dungeons, the agent learned many times faster and reached a skill level that the classic approach couldn't. You might be getting like 10x the performance because if you don't do this, then you just don't learn a good policy and you can never settle into that class of policies that actually solves the problem in a good way. Anima Anankumar of Caltech and NVIDIA says these generalist agents are a big leap from what standard reinforcement learning does. Anankumar's team also pre-trains agents to get them to learn more quickly, achieving significant progress on the world's best-selling video game, Minecraft. It's known as a sandbox game, meaning it gives players a virtually infinite space in which to interact and create new worlds. It's futile to program a reward function for thousands of tasks individually. So instead, the team's model, called Mind Dojo, built its understanding of the game by watching captioned playthrough videos. No need to codify good behavior. Here's Anand Kumar. We are getting automated reward functions through what we call this mind clip model. So it's the video text 
the first benchmark with thousands of tasks and the ability to do reinforcement learning based off of these foundation models. Instead of trying to define what is the action space, is it a grid world, is it this continuous control, it's all very hard, whereas just text, you can now do thousands of specifications. Games were a great way to show that pre-training models could work, but they're still simplified worlds. Training robots to handle the real world, where the possibilities are practically endless, is much harder. You remember Kartik Narasimhan, a computer scientist at Princeton. This is a problem he and his team have been looking at. Either they are synthetic but scalable, like these game environments, right? So the grid world kind of games and so on. Or on the other hand, they're very, very practical, like robotics and navigation Mm -hmm. with robots and so on, but very hard to scale. Like, I mean, you can do one particular task with a robot and that takes you a month to, you know, train. But then what next? you want to do something else, then you have to collect new data for that domain and so on. So we basically ask the question, is there something in between that's both scalable but still practical? So Nara Simhan decided to do some online shopping. We built this thing called WebShop. The idea is very simple. It's an instruction-following language grounding environment where you just ask agents to buy stuff for you. So you can ask something like, hey, get me a Nike shoe that's white in color, less than $100, and I want the reviews to state that they're very comfortable for toddlers. You could make up whatever you want. The agent basically is like a shopping butler for you. It will operate on actual Amazon.com. It will try out different search queries, read the pages, understand the content, and then select the options and buy the item for you. As with Jong's and Anand Kumar's games, WebShop developed an intuition by training with images and text with the Amazon pages. Here's Nara Simhan again. Over time, it learns to understand the language and map it to actions it has to take on the website. At first glance, a shopping butler may not seem that futuristic. But while a cutting-edge chatbot can link you to a desired sneaker, interactions like placing the order require a wholly different skill set. And even though your Alexa or Google Home speakers can place orders, they rely on proprietary software that carries out preordained tasks. WebShop navigates the web the way people do, by reading, typing, and clicking. Here's Nara Simhan again. Tons of websites come on every day. You can't be going and tweaking your algorithm to work with a different API every time. Whereas if you just have a general agent that can operate on any website, then it's sort of like a step closer towards general intelligence. Of course, getting robots to interact with the real world has its own challenges. Consider a bottle, for example. You can recognize one by its appearance. You know it's meant to store liquids, and you understand how to manipulate it with your hands. Can real machines ever turn words and images into a complex intelligence of motion? Nara Simhan collaborated with Aniruda Majumdar, a roboticist at Princeton, to find out. They taught a robotic arm to manipulate tools that it had never seen before and pre-trained it using descriptive language taken from successful language models. The program learned faster and performed better with almost every tool and action compared to programs learning by traditional exploration. The results were posted to the preprint server archive.org last summer. Engineers have built a library of even more complex commands at Google's robotic labs, also rooted in context-building pre-training. 
The team worked with a mobile helper robot with a seven-jointed arm, which they trained using language skills. Carol Hausman is a research scientist on the Google robotics team. You consider a long horizon command like this, like I spilled something, can you help me clean it up? The world of possibilities that you have to consider is huge, and it actually grows exponentially the longer the command is. But it can go wrong at any given point, and you have to consider all of those cases, and you have experience in all of those cases to be able to carry out a long command like this. So the way we approach it with language models is we ask the language model to break it down for us instead of learning this one task that is very long and exponentially hard because of all the different ways it can fail. It breaks it down into the short tasks that are much easier to learn. For any given command, the program uses a language model to suggest actions from a library of 700 trained motions. Let's take that help me clean up the spilled drink task. You might have grab a paper towel, pick up the can, or throw away the can. Hausman says it acknowledges its limitations with phrases. When we ask the language model to break down the long horizon instruction, we tell it that these are the skills that we can actually do. Consider only those. And then the language model can say, you know, even though you have this spill and you want me to clean it up, I'm actually not capable of wiping it down but I can bring you a sponge. The team reported results late last year from this project called SayCan. Another perk of empowering robots with language models is that translating synonyms and words in other languages becomes trivial. One person can say twist, while another says rotate, and the robot understands both. Fei Shaw is a research scientist at Google. The craziest thing that we have tried is that it also understands emojis. SayCan is perhaps the most advanced demonstration of language-grounded learning in robotics to date. And language and image models are constantly improving, creating better and more complex pre-training techniques. But Shaw is careful to temper the excitement. Someone happily said, like, we reached the RoboGPT moment. However, I think we're not there yet. There are much more to explore it. For instance, these models can provide incorrect answers or take errant actions, which researchers are trying to understand. Robots also haven't yet mastered embodiment, whereas humans have a physical intuition built on childhood spent playing with toys. Robots still require real-world interactions to develop this type of intuition. Here's computer science grad student Victor Jung. It's limited to settings where you can actually obtain these unlabeled demonstrations. Think of databases of video game interactions like Minecraft and NetHack. No database can quickly teach robots intelligent motion. Still, progress is happening fast, and more researchers believe that smarter robotics will be the end result. Nara Simhan traces this human-robot evolution from punch cards to the next technology. We have sort of this evolution from, you know, we had keyboard and mice and then touchscreens, but the next interface is going to be language. You're going to talk to your computer and ask it to do things, answer questions, and so on. So this whole dream of assistants being really capable, you know, like Siri or these kind of assistants, which has not happened yet, but I think it will happen very soon. I think a lot of cool stuff is going to happen. It's really hard to predict the speed of these things, but I think we're moving slowly towards systems that you can interface with natural language broadly, and that's going to be very exciting. 
Matt Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Max G. Levy's full article, Machines Learn Better If We Teach Them the Basics, on our website, quantamagazine.org. Explore math mysteries in the Quanta book, The Prime Number Conspiracy, published by the MIT Press. Available now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or your local bookstore. Also, make sure to tell your friends about the Quanta Magazine Science Podcast and give us a positive review or follow where you listen. It helps people find this podcast. Music